You're listening to a podcast from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries. For more information about our church, please visit us at rmcmchurch.org. How's everybody? Good. Boy, you probably need to get something out to write with. and I mean, it's good to do every week, of course, but... Um, Things just keep coming up this week, even just as Annie was speaking. And so I'm just going to take my time with this. And uh, this is one of those where uh, the Lord just keeps adding things in front of what I thought I had for this morning. And I don't know if I can explain that any better than that. And that, you know, it, you just, you, you get something and you know it's the Lord. And then, but all the way up to sometimes just keep getting things dropped in. This has been one of those days. So uh, so we're just going to take our time with it. Um, you'll be shocked to know I probably have more here than I can possibly get through this week. Um, but so basically we're talking about this idea of uh, being undeterred, our faith being undeterred. And I love the scriptures Annie just brought up about faith, that faith expresses itself through love, genuine faith. We've been talking about a lot of ideas about what genuine faith is. And genuine biblical faith is something that does. It expresses itself through love in our, in our lives. But we've been, and, l- and let me just say this coming in, this really is off the topic of, uh, of our subject, but not off the topic of the day. I've been thinking a lot about Memorial Day, of course, this weekend, and, and recognizing, especially specifically, that, um, and, and if you're on social media, this has been getting delineated a lot this year, but um, we have uh, an Armed Forces Day that celebrates people who are in the Armed Forces currently. We have Veterans Day that celebrates people who have been in the armed forces. And then we have Memorial Day that specifically celebrates those who have sacrificed their lives so that we can all be here free and open and not worry about the government breaking down the door to come in and tell us we can't worship Jesus or things like that. And this day is specifically given, and the point of that is always that we remember is that freedom, there's no such thing on earth as free freedom. You know, it always comes at a cost. It always comes with sacrifice. And until Jesus comes back and the devil's tossed into the lake of fire, that's going to be the way it is. And so we take this day to remember those who've actually given their lives so that we can have this freedom. And that's such an important thing to remember. And my mind always goes from there to the greatest sacrifice for our freedom was made by Jesus Christ. I mean, the, the freedom that we have uh, in God, the freedom that we have of access to the Lord was bought with a sacrifice also. That didn't come free either by any means. And so I just, I just wanted to throw that out there. It's just something good for us to remember and think about and celebrate regularly. And I can put those two together really easily on, on Memorial Day. So, so we are studying this thing about faith that's undeterred. And the idea, I've given, I've given you a bunch of definitions about that. You know, that means that our faith is not turned aside from the pursuit of God or discouraged from, a, from accomplishing something, from going after God. It's not turned aside by doubt or fear or a threat of possible negative outcomes. Uh, our, our faith is not dissuaded by self-doubt or fear of failure. 
Sometimes we lose faith in God because we're actually doubting ourselves and our ability. And when that happens, we've just got our faith in the wrong place. We're thinking too much about what we have to do because we do have a part in all of this and not enough about what God's uh, part in it is. Um, some, something that's deterred, it means to scare off. You're going to deter somebody. They are scared off by intimidation or discouragement. They're demoralized. You destroy their morale. You remove their hope. We're talking about a faith that doesn't fall prey to any of those things. And this is a faith that we can have. And we don't work it up. We receive it from God. We've talked about how God gives us his own faith. We've talked about how the scripture says that faith comes by hearing God speak. Well, why does that happen? It's because God's words always carry life. They are seeds. They carry life. And one of the things they always carry, they always release into us, is his own confidence in himself. God never speaks to us out of doubt in himself. He doesn't have any doubt in himself. So when he speaks, one of the things that comes into us is faith, confidence, trust. We, we all of a sudden supernaturally begin to trust God. And it's not because we can think of, well, I bet God will do this this way and this way and this way. And so as long as that all goes right, then I'm in faith. That's not faith. Faith is trust that's birthed in our hearts by intimacy with God. And it comes, he just gives us his own confidence. So we've been talking about this whole idea for a few weeks now, but the reason that we're talking about this, the reason that we talk about this type of subject quite a bit around here, is because we really believe that all of God's people, all believers are here with divine purpose. We do not adhere to a, a theology that says, Jesus is a great guy. He went to the cross. He paid for our sins. And now we're just going to hang out and wait and you know, do our best until he comes again and rescues us. We believe that the church is in the earth with purpose, with divine purpose and divine power and divine life. We believe, and, and if you read the New Testament, I just, I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to be, I'm trying to think of a way to say this. I don't want to be critical because there are people that believe that, but I don't know how you can read the New Testament or the Old Testament and come away with the idea that we're just supposed to hang out till Jesus comes back and do the best we can. And, and then that we don't have an assignment in the earth. The earth is our assignment. It's, it's not just the place that we live. It's our assignment. We are partnering with him. And the, and the scripture says it so many different ways. It says it over and over and over. And what we believe about that is that each of us are graced and equipped. We're gifted. Every one of us. Every one of us. Gifted to influence and impact our place, our sphere of influence. Wherever you live, the people you know, the friends you have, the family you have. Uh, the place that you work, uh, the community that we live in, wherever we engage, we are there to release the kingdom of God. We are there with a purpose. And again, that's not, it's our assignment, but the accomplishing of it is not our responsibility. Does that make sense? It's that God will bring it to pass. God has to bring his will to pass in the earth. We can't do it on our own. But we have this place of pursuing him. You know, I, I say we're here with divine purpose. Our very first purpose is knowing him. That's always the first thing. It's always the first thing, knowing him. We talk about faith. When Annie was up here speaking, I was thinking that 
any place where we feel like God gave us a reason to not trust him, we're wrong. We're just wrong. We've got something confused. We've, we've misunderstood what happened. We've misunderstood his character, his role in it, or how things work on planet earth or something. We've misunderstood something. If we can think of a situation where we say, you know what? I don't, I don't, she was talking about trust God and then life flows out of that. And that's exactly right. That's the Christian life. And it's like, if, if there are places in your life and there may be, you know, be honest with yourself. There may be places in your heart where you're, you're like, well, this thing happened and I, I was trusting God and it didn't go the way I thought. And, and that really threw you. And so you're not quite sure if you can trust God. Anytime you think he's given you a reason not to trust him, you're, you just have to accept you're wrong. God's always faithful. He's always faithful to his word. But we misunderstand a lot of stuff. And he's, you know, this, we throw this uh, line out a lot of times. It's a good one that God is responsible and faithful to keep his word. He's not necessarily, he's not at all responsible to keep our misinterpretation of what he said or what he's doing. He's, he's not responsible for that. He's not responsible to, he would be irresponsible, put it that way, to bring things into our lives that we're not ready to carry blessings into our life that we're not ready to handle, that would mess us up, that would get us off track. He's not responsible to do that. Even though he's promised great things to us, we're supposed to be growing in maturity and growing in trust with him so that he can trust us with more and more and more. And the reason we need to have more and more and more is so that we can be and do more and more and more and release more of him to the world. We are here with purpose to release the kingdom in this earth. Go with me... Um, I was going to send you to Hebrews, but let's go over to, uh, hopefully we'll get to Hebrews chapter 11 today. Um, let's go over to Matthew chapter 16 and just look at these verses. Let's see, I'm going to look at this from the Amplified Bible. Matthew chapter 16, verse 19. And, and in context here, Jesus is talking about the church and talking about the church being at the gates of hell and not being defeated or put down by, uh, by the best Satan has to offer. And in verse 19, uh, I love the way this reads from the Amplified because it really picks up what's actually in the Greek here. He says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. All right, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. What do keys give us? Access and authority. If you have the keys uh, to your home or to a building or to your car. There's a, there's a significant thing there. Number one, you have access into that, whatever it is. But you also have been given the authority to use, the authority to step into. Okay, when we give somebody a key to this building, we're giving them responsibility with that key to come in and do what they need to do uh, and, you know, but, but not to just open the building up, leave it open, have a party, you know, whatever. Uh, there's, there's responsibility and authority that goes along with that access. Okay, the same is true of your home, same is true of your car. And Jesus says here, I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven, to, to the realm in which God rules. I will give you access and in that access, I'm sharing my authority. Does that make sense to you? 
And then he goes on, and again, reading from the Amplified, because this gets it right. This gets the, the way that the Greek is written in a tense that we don't have in English. This is the way it comes out. It says, and whatever you bind, which means to declare to be improper and unlawful on earth, must be what is already bound in heaven. And whatever you loose, declare to be lawful on earth, must be what is already loosed in heaven. So the idea to the church in that scripture is we have been given through Jesus Christ, through what he's done for us, we've been given access to the Father, to his kingdom, to, to understand heavenly things, to understand the way God works. We've, we've been given access to his wisdom. We've been given access to his power. We've been given access to his life and to a relationship with him that actually lets us understand why things are the way they are Wherever, wherever God is ruling, there are certain things that are there. And we can see those in this idea of heaven. We can see there's, there's no sickness. Okay, So sickness is disallowed in heaven. There's no sickness there. There is health. There are, there are apparently trees lining the streets that release health. Okay, There is no separation from God. There's no darkness there's no, there are no tears. There is no lack of joy. There, are, there is no purposelessness. Uh, there are none of those things in heaven. And so as we access heaven and we learn those things uh, through having those keys and understanding who we are, well, then we're supposed to see this is what has been restricted or forbidden in heaven. I now forbid it in my life, in my family, starting right here, in my own heart, in my own life, in my family, in my church, in my community, I begin to release that. I begin to take that authority and release that on earth. That's a church having purpose. That's a people understanding their purpose in the earth. We're not just hanging out, waiting for Jesus to come back and rescue us. We are to be releasing the glory of God. And whatever we see there that Okay, where God is ruling, for one thing, wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. Okay, there's freedom, there's liberty. Wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, people aren't in slavery or in bondage to one another or to anything else. They are, they are free to go out and, and do and to be what God created them to be. And so I, through my prayers, through my actions, through my activities, through the way that I raise my kids and the way that I spend my money and the way that I drive down the street and the choices I make every day, I'm going to release freedom and joy and love and peace and all those things. Because he's given us those keys and our assignment on this earth is then to release those things and or to restrict, to bind, to take authority over those things that are bound in heaven. Okay, so we have... This purpose and this assignment. Let me read you another verse. You don't really have to turn there. You might want to mark it down. Um, this one just came up in my prayer time this morning. Second Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 11. Okay, Second Thessalonians 1, 11. This is from the New Living Translation. Uh, Paul says here, so we keep on praying for you, talking to the church at Thessalonica. This is to a whole church, not just to the pastor or the, you know, the leaders there. We keep on praying for you, asking our God to enable you to live a life worthy of his call. This call that we're talking about to purpose. And then it says, may he give you the power to accomplish all the good things your faith prompts you to do. 
And that's what we see in Hebrews 11. And again, if you read it in the Amplified Bible, they bring that out, that prompted by faith, this one did that. Stirred on, moved on by faith, this one did that. Faith, trust in God, isn't just static. It isn't just passive. It always moves us. It moves us forward. And whatever comes out is an expression of God's love. Boy, there's a lot of different directions we could go there. There, There's such a prevalent misunderstanding, which is actually becoming much stronger than that. It's becoming a prevalent lie being sold to the church right now. And it's been this way for a long time, I'm sure, but it's happening again. These things come in waves, you know, that love means you can't disagree with anybody. There can't be any confrontation. There can't, there can't possibly be judgment in love. I need, to, I need to come with a list one of these days where the same chapters that talk about the love of God also talk about the day of judgment and how because of the love of God, those who have accepted him are going to be, uh, we, we won't even have to worry in the day of judgment. But it doesn't say there won't be a day of judgment. It says there absolutely will be a day of judgment. Love actually requires justice. Love actually requires uh, to step out and protect from evil, which oftentimes requires confrontation. You know, and, and I go on, it's really not our topic this morning. But that's, but that's coming through again. We need to understand that the love of God reaches out to people, but it reaches out with truth. And it reaches out to bring people in into, to an understanding of who God actually is, not who some people wish that he was. And, and it's not, it, it isn't always just nicey-nicey make us feel good. It, it just isn't. But if we understand what it is, it's genuine love. It's all-encompassing love. And so when we're living in this undeterred faith, when we're living in this life of faith, there is purpose. There are things that we are prompted to do in it. And I love this because it says, may he, this is so perfect. It's, I don't know, you know, how the scripture is right a lot of times. Uh, May he give you the power. So the power is coming from God to accomplish all the good things that your faith prompts you to do. So faith prompts us to move and then we allow grace and life and power to flow through us to actually accomplish something we could never accomplish on our own. Does that make sense to you? All right, let's go over to Hebrews uh, chapter 11. And I love this passage. Some people don't. I talked to you about it a little bit. This is a subject that we talk about a lot here and I'll tell you why. Um, But... I, I introduced this subject, the first, first day we were talking about uh, this, we were in this series. I touched on this verse and some other ones. I told you we would come back to it. And we're going to start into this today. I really will want to go down through about verse 16 or 17, but there's no way we'll get there today. But the idea in these verses or the idea that we talk about quite a bit is that for every one of us, if we want to live the kind of life we were just talking about. We want to live with purpose, with divine purpose. We want to actually have influence in the earth. We want to step out and let the faith that we have in God uh, motivate us to step out and pray for people. I just, these examples, you know, I mean, there are lots of examples. Pray for people to be set free from demonic oppression. Pray for people to be healed. Pray for people 
pray for things that we could not accomplish on our own. So we are stepping out. We're spending time with God in private. We're seeing who he is. We're seeing what's going on in the kingdom of heaven. We're seeing what's allowed there. And then we're stepping out in everyday life and we're seeking to release that into people's lives. So we're going up to people that maybe we know and maybe we don't know and asking them if we can pray for their healing and believing God to do something supernatural there. If we're doing that, if we're believing for the gospel to come into somebody's life and totally transform them, change them, change their life, like all of us, I think, have experienced, where the gospel changes who you are, the word of God, the good news of Jesus Christ comes into your life and it transforms who you are. That's probably why I've been hearing that all morning. I've been getting the word catalyst all morning, catalyst, but, but nothing with it. But let me just say this while we're talking about the gospel. We're talking about the word of God. We could say this about the Holy Spirit. Those things act as a catalyst. And I, I didn't just actually six months ago, I, I didn't really know what a catalyst was. I knew it was something that kind of brought change. But what a catalyst is, it's an element that gets introduced into another element. Okay, so it's a chemical or something, something. I guess it can be a lot of things. But it's an element that gets introduced into something else. And it completely changes what it's introduced into. Completely changes the nature of it. And a lot of times that would be a chemical reaction. Completely transforms it. But the thing that is the catalyst is not changed at all by that interaction. And that's how the word of God is in us. It comes into us and it changes us completely over time. We become different, literally different people, new creatures in Christ. But the word is not affected or changed by anything that goes on in us, good or bad. The same is true of the Holy Spirit coming into our life. He totally transforms us. He renews our minds, right? We are transformed by the renewing of our minds. We change from one kind of being to another, but the Holy Spirit never changes. And when we fail or fall back or whatever, he never changes. The word never changes, okay? So, so the idea in this is that when we are living, seeking to live this active Christian life that actually affects things on earth with the life of God. When we are living the your will be done on earth as it is in heaven life and everything that that entails, every one of us will have to personally learn how to, how to navigate both victory in that and loss in that. And what I mean by that is so if I'm praying for somebody to be healed and I've had this experience, many of you have had this experience, and they get healed, awesome. We celebrate that victory with all our hearts. We tell people about it. We give testimony about it. We write it down. We thank God for it. We praise him. We stand in it. We love it. We soak in it. But if we pray for a person and they die and they don't get healed, We've got to learn how to go through that without our faith in God being deterred and without making up 
Yeah, that's the word. <laughs> that's the word I'm, I'm struggling with here. Stupid doctrines, stupid theologies to try and explain something we don't understand. And it's not helpful for us to do that, to come along and say, well, maybe it was just God's will that that person not be healed. There's no place in the scripture that we see where it was ever God's will for somebody not to be healed. We don't, we don't see, uh, maybe, maybe God, we say this kind of thing to each other. God just reached down and needed another flower for his garden. God could speak about a billion flowers into his garden in a half a second, okay? He doesn't need to pluck your child to have a flower in his garden. And I know this is kind of harsh, but we need to live in truth. And those things are not truth. And so we get on these things and we think, well, then why did it happen? And we start asking those questions. And we almost never get answers to them other than what we already have in the scripture God stands and says, this is who I am. I'm the author of life. I'm the healer. Here's your assignment. Go do it again. And until we can, and I'm telling you, and I've been through this. I've been through this personally. I've wrestled with all of this and, and resolved some things in my own life that I don't understand all the reasons that things happen or don't happen. I don't get it. But if, if God wants to answer that question, great. Otherwise, I'm going to remember who he is and I'm going to go on and pray for the next one. And that's what we're going to do. Because my assignment, I've been trying to think of a better way to say this. My assignment is being faithful to him and doing what he left me here to do, which was spread the gospel, heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons. That's my assignment. Making sure that that person does get healed. I can't do that. I don't have any way to do that. The only way I can see that happen is to keep trusting God and keep pressing into who he is and pray for more and more and more. I guess, and I, I don't know if I said this to you last week, seems like it's been coming up a lot. I think it's Todd White, one of his testimonies is that, you know, he got on this and decided he was going to start praying for people. He says he prayed for a thousand people before anybody got healed. And, and I'm sure in that time, it wasn't just a, okay, let's see if you'll do a thousand. You know, I don't think. I think, you know, he was going through things. I'll bet you. If you could sit down across the table with him over a cup of coffee and talk to him, he was going through things in his heart after every one of those meetings, after every one of those prayer times and going back to the scripture and saying, God, I see who you are. I cannot let go of who you are. I cannot let go of what you have said. What I experience doesn't change what you've said. We, we sang it this morning. That's why we sing that kind of stuff is so that we can get it and hang on to it. It doesn't change. And you know what? When we do see somebody get healed or a breakthrough or delivered from drugs or something, that doesn't make him bigger and the other make him smaller. It, it doesn't change who he is. He never changes. His word never changes. He's faithful. And so what I'm trying to say to you is that this is an important topic if you want to, for the rest of your life, live with divine purpose and you want to keep praying for the sick 
and praying for your friends that are addicted to drugs and praying for breakthrough in the society and praying for revival and praying for all those things because you are going to see some success. And the more you pray, the more success you're going to see. If we quit, we won't see anybody get healed, okay? But the more success you're going to see, but you're also going to have some times where you don't get that victory. And we don't always know why. And we don't, so you can either condemn yourself, you can do a lot of things at that point. But my point that I'm trying to make here is, I believe this is something that everybody who wants to live that lifestyle has to wrestle through personally, okay? It's something you have to, I've, I've had this discussion with so many people and I can give them the benefit of what, what has resolved in me that, you know what? I don't understand all that, but I'm just going to keep doing what he left me here to do. That was... Do you realize that was Jesus' answer to all the end times questions? When is the kingdom going to come? What's going to happen next? When are you going to be seated in Jerusalem? When's all that going to happen? He told them, the important thing is that you be found doing what I left you here to do. And that's always been good enough for me. That's why, honestly, I don't have a real strong end times theology. I've heard them all. And, and there are things that, yeah, yeah, that's good. Everybody has half a dozen really good scriptures for their opinion. Honestly, and this makes people mad sometimes, so I'll just say it. I don't care. I don't care. He's coming back at a time I don't know. He made that clear. He doesn't even know. Father hasn't told him when he's going to let him go get the bride. Okay? He doesn't even know. Why am I going to worry about it? Why am I going to try and figure out what all the horns and heads and beasts and, you know, all of that is? Why am I going to spend my time doing that? When I need to be built up in the practical issues of life and be out there trying to deliver the kingdom of God to people, maybe you're more, you know, you can multitask better than I can. I, 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 don't, I don't really care. I know he'll come back at the right time. And if I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing, he'll tell me which line to get in. You know, I'm just not worried about it. So whether that makes you happy or, glad, or mad, that's, you know, either way is fine. Um, so... The question we are asking ourselves is, how do I respond when I, I see victory or breakthrough, when I get what I'm praying for or get what, you know, somebody else gets what they're How do I respond? You know, do I, do I move into praise or do I move into, why didn't that happen when I prayed for them? Why didn't they get that when I preached that 35 times? I had a guy, one of our a good friend was in this church for years and years, just posted something on Facebook this week that, oh, I just got this great truth. And I was thinking, I must have said that 500 times to you, but I get it. I'm the same way. That's how we work. Okay. So glad you got it. Anyway, how do you respond when you get breakthrough or when breakthrough, victory, answered prayer is delayed? How do you respond? Do you start to question God's nature? Do you, if so then that's a good place to soak. That's a good place to dig into. It's a good place to fill yourself with who he is, to, to seek him about who he is and what we're supposed to be doing, to just keep soaking yourself in those scriptures so that they become so alive in you. So did you find Hebrews chapter 11 yet? I told you it was going to be like this. So Hebrews chapter 11, verse 13. See, I find just great comfort in this verse. And a lot of people take it real negatively. It says, all these people, talking about all those heroes of faith, he just, laid, he just called out all the great names in the Old Testament and said what they did by faith. 
And then he says, all these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. And they admitted, or they understood this, that they were aliens and strangers on earth. Okay, we're not even going to get all the way through this verse this morning. I'll tell you that. But a lot of us um, let our faith get deterred or we come up with some crazy doctrine when a promise is delayed or a battle on earth is lost. We lose somebody we're praying for and they die. I hate that. I hate it. I want them here with us forever. I miss them. I hate it. It ticks me off. It makes me upset that, you know, it seems like from this end, the devil gets away with something. But the truth is, if we're looking at this through a heavenly eternal perspective, if that person was saved, there is no loss. There's no loss, you know? And I always think of this, you know, dear beloved friend, Tom Willis, the last six or eight months of his life, that was one of the huge revelations that he got is there's no loss in the kingdom. And he'd just come with that big cheesy grin and give you a big hug and say over and over, you know what? There's no loss in the kingdom. And God was just revealing that to him, revealing that to him. And I wish he was sitting right there playing guitar this morning, but I know where he is. You know, and as much as we miss people, it's, there's, there's no loss in that, but we see a battle lost. You know, our good friend Colleen Cawthon, I mean, she should be ripping up the praise and worship world. She is so anointed, but she went home. She's in heaven, you know? And so either we keep walking with God and we go pray for the next one and we let those people's faithfulness and who they were to us and who they are because they're alive, we need to let that motivate us toward God, not discourage us from God. They wouldn't want that for a second. Does that make sense? So, you know, when any of these things uh, take place, then we have to, we start, have to start, if, if our reaction to it isn't what it should be. If it doesn't just motivate us, I'm going to go lay hands on the next 15. I think that's what our reaction should be. Okay, didn't get that one. I'm going to pray for 20 more. You know, I mean, there needs to be something stirred up in us. If that's not happening, then there are some things we need to remember. So let me give you a couple of those. Um, we never interpret God's will through our circumstances or God's nature through our circumstances. You'll make huge mistakes if you look at your circumstances and try and overlay that on who God is. Huge mistake. You're going to totally misunderstand who he is. Instead, we need to interpret our, our circumstances through who God is, who Jesus has revealed himself to be through an eternal perspective. We've got to turn that around. We've got to always be looking through the lens of eternity. And so, especially if the person is a believer and we lose one of those, it's like, you know what? They're fine. And we're still all here to get in the devil's face. So, you know, it, it, it takes a lot of that. Uh, we never want to start questioning God based on circumstances. Circumstances change all the time, you know? And plus, we have such a narrow little view of what's going on anyway. We, we don't have a clue as to you know, the, the big picture of what's going on around us and, and in our lives, okay? 
So we always want to view any earthly battle that we don't win. We've got to view that through the eyes of the eternal victory that we have in Jesus Christ. We have to always look at it through the fact that Jesus has won all the battles. Jesus is on the throne and the devil's not getting away with anything. He's not getting away with anything. There's coming a day of judgment, okay? Uh, next, we, we never allow what we don't understand to undermine or rob us of what God has shown us about himself. He shows you that, you're, that he's the healer. You pray for a sick person. They don't get healed right away. Never let that change your mind about who God is or what your assignment is. Does that make sense to you? You guys there? We celebrate victories hard, okay? We, we rejoice in victories, but we don't quit when we don't get a victory. We never quit. Just never quit. That's pretty much my whole message to you. Never quit. So, so here in Hebrews uh, 11, 13, it says, all these people were still living by faith when they died. People take that as, as a description of a faith failure, Instead of realizing that's a faith victory. They, in other words, they made it all the way through without losing their trust in God. With everything they faced. And go read about what they faced. Everything they faced, they were still living by faith when they died. That's a good testimony. Hebrews 11 is a commendation chapter. It's God commending people for their faith. It's not him saying, well, they didn't. They didn't get it. They didn't receive it. This is a commendation. And yet the Lord says this. These people were still living by faith. They hadn't given up. They hadn't quit. They hadn't gotten deterred. They were living by faith when they died. And he says they did not receive the things promised. Meaning they didn't fully take hold of them. They didn't fully possess them to themselves. And this is primarily talking about the coming of Messiah. I mean they were believing God to send the Savior. They were believing God for big stuff that they couldn't make happen. They're believing him to send the Savior. Not one of them saw him come. But because of their faith, you know, we've been talking about how faith is transferable. Because of their faith, there were people when Jesus came who recognized who he was. Remember, there were, I mean, there were lots of them, but there are two of them mentioned in Luke chapter 2 in the, in the scripture that when they took Jesus in to the temple, uh, to be circumcised when they took him in on the eighth day. Here's Simeon that, that's about to die. But the Lord had said to him, you will see the Christ before you die. And he held on to that promise. And he has this great speech in Luke chapter two, where he praises God because here's your word, your word fulfilled. fulfilled. I mean, there was no big sign. That baby... Jesus didn't have a little halo around his head, okay? He wasn't a little white, blue-eyed baby with a halo around his head. Just some couple came into the temple to take care of this baby. We don't even know that he was the only one that day. We don't know. But prophetically, Simeon saw that kid and knew, it quickened in his spirit, this is the Savior. He'd been in there praying for this, pulling this in by faith, and he saw it before he died. And Anna, the same way. She didn't leave the temple day or night. She stayed there and interceded. And there she was. She got to see Jesus Christ. She got to see that baby born into the earth because she didn't let her faith be deterred. She stayed there and she prayed. Okay, so 
So when we look at this, they didn't take full possession themselves, but look at what it says. It says, they saw, faith empowered them to see what you couldn't see on earth. To see, in this case, the Savior coming. In our case, it might be a lot of different things. Faith will empower you to see things that aren't here yet. And it says they welcome them from afar. When we welcome somebody, usually at, our, at a house, you know, so think of it at home and somebody's coming, usually we make preparation for them. We think about it. It's so real that they're coming that we actually make preparation. You know, we might straighten up the house. We might make some special food. We might do all kinds of different things. We make sure we're there. Hello. You know, we make sure we're there. We make these preparations because, because somebody or something is coming. Okay? Faith does that. It lets us see things that are still invisible in the natural. They're the things that are approved in heaven. And we see them and we start pulling on them. And the point of this is the exercise of our faith is not just about receiving the breakthrough or the victory. It is about that. Don't get me wrong. Those are great. That's what we're fighting for. And we're going to fight hard for everyone. But that isn't the full extent of it. The exercise of our faith releases things in the earth. It pulls things in that we may see and we may not. But this, I just want you to get so badly, this is a huge part of who you are in this generation. When we get our eyes just on our needs and what I'm believing God for, for me and my family, and I need this and I need that, we should pray for those things. But that is, by, that is the tip of the iceberg of what the people of God are doing in the earth. Does this make sense to you? So they saw this stuff. They welcomed it uh, from afar. So we've got to let faith reveal heavenly things to us that aren't seen on earth yet and then empower us to welcome them, to usher those things into manifestation. Okay? So when something gets delayed, I don't quit because that's not all that my faith is about is getting that one promise fulfilled, seeing that one person healed. As important as that might be, that's not all it's about. It is much bigger than that. I will continue to fulfill my assignment, which is to bring heaven's reality into the earth, to know God, know who he is, know what his kingdom is like, and release that in the earth. Okay, so here are a couple things. We're just going to have to quit. Uh, I, I, really, I really want to talk to you about this idea that, you know, they said they welcomed them from afar, and then they admitted they were aliens and strangers in the earth. Essentially, that means they grabbed hold in their hearts of the fact that earth is not my home. It is my assignment. It's not my home. God is my home. This is my assignment. I'm an alien. I'm a stranger here. I, my life is not just caught up in the day-to-day. -day. It's not just caught up in my personal needs. It's not just caught up in seeing these things happen, but it is my assignment to bring them here. All right, so let me just give you a few of these. These are things you can think about faith, things that will deter your faith in this realm, this context we're talking about. Have you become focused on the fulfillment of a promise to the exclusion of your intimacy with God? A lot of times this will happen. We get so focused on trying to see something accomplished. It might even be God's will. I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but 
we get so caught up in that that it really becomes sort of an idol in our heart and we're, we're not just fellowshipping with him anymore. We're not getting to know him more anymore. We're excluding that because we're so focused on the fulfillment of promise. And so is your hope, is your joy, is it found in your relationship with him or only in the fulfillment of a specific dream? God cares about the stuff that you care about. He cares about those dreams. He cares about the stuff you're praying for. But never let that get bigger than knowing him. It's knowing him has got to be. First, here's another one. Have you mentally, have you put a limit, a time limit, or a natural limit on an eternal word? You know, the word to them was, I'm sending a savior. That was an eternal word. And if they put a time limit on it, that if this doesn't happen by the time I'm 40, then... Forget it, God. If they put a time limit on it, you know, on you finding a mate, on you getting a job that you wanted, on, you know, whatever it is, we put a time limit on an eternal word, then we just sort of cut off God's ability to, to bring that to pass. Did you give God a deadline for keeping his word? We'd never say that, but I've prayed with dozens of people that have done that. And it's just, well, it didn't happen in this time frame, so... Now I'm looking for something else. Usually it's, well, I'm looking for some other way for that to be fulfilled then because it didn't happen, it didn't happen. That must mean God's not going to do it. Not necessarily. Is God still speaking that word to you? Is he still breathing that word to you? Then you can't quit. You just keep pulling on it because it's for more than just you. You just keep pulling on it. Don't give God deadlines. It's just a bad idea. <laughs> um, does your faith have sort of an expiration date? at which time you will sort of set it aside and look for a different way to get that need met. I talked to somebody, and I'll quit with this, that, um, or here, here's the last one. Are you trying to believe God for something that God never actually said to you? I mean, there may be an overall promise in the scripture. That's great. It's a great place to start. But what did he say to you? He said he'd meet your needs. Did he really say he'd do it through that job that you want? Did he say that? If he did, you grab it and pull on it, Okay. But if he didn't, then you just keep seeking him. Keep the big promise and keep seeking him for the specifics. A lot of times we're trying to believe God for something that God never said and faith comes by hearing and so that, that doesn't work. So I had a, a good friend a couple of years ago that um, just got into a place in his life and I know he loves God. I know he still loves God, but he got into a place in his life where he felt like God was calling him to something that he just hated. And I personally, I never believed God was calling him to that because God would change your desires. If God is calling you to that, then just he'll change your desires and you'll end up wanting that. And instead, he got in this tussle. He was in this, in his, I believe it was in his head, but he got in this tussle with God. And, and finally was at a point where he was just saying, I know God's saying this, but I'm just not going to do it. That's a really bad place to be. And it's a confusing place to be. And God's not going to squash you because you get there, but you're going to have a really, you're, it's going to be impossible to hear him. It's going to get very difficult. You're going to be confused. You're going to be angry. You're going to be in all of this turmoil that doesn't need to happen if you just back up. What was the last thing you know he said to you? Just keep doing that until you're clear on what he's saying now. Just stick with the last thing he said to you. God's not in a panic, and you don't have to be in a panic, but don't let yourself get to a place where you get deterred, you get discouraged, you get pulled aside from your faith to where you're just, you're either in rebellion or you're in so much discouragement. We don't have to go there, and there are people all around you to help you with that. There are people here 
There are people all around you that can help you. We can pray with you. Nobody's judging any of that. These are things we go through. If we're not going to just live a little religious life where we come to church and pretend we're Christians and go, if we're going to do this thing, we're all going to have to wrestle with this different stuff. And you need the body of Christ. Here's another, I'm quitting, I'm quitting, I promise. Here's another thing. The Lord spoke to me right before, while we were praying before church, and I was like, where did that come from? But in this context, we need each other. We need to be in the body of Christ. And the Lord said, I got to really think about this one. He said, you can be a body part without being a part of the body. Meaning you can be a body part, you know Jesus, but you separate yourself from the body. You're still, if I cut my finger off today, which I do not plan on doing, uh, you know, it'd still be a, it's a body part. It even has design. Look at the knuckles. Look at the, oh boy, there's all kinds of tendons sticking out the back, you know. It has design. It's, it's there, but it isn't going to do its purpose unless it's attached to the life and to the blood. We need to be in, if we're going to live this life of purpose, we got to be in the body. We've got to be a part of the body. You've got to be in your place in the body, okay? All right, let's pray. Father, I just thank you for this, Lord. This is one of those days where I just ask you, please make sense of all this. And, and Father, we just, I, I, I love this group of people. Father, I love, I think about them every day, being out there, just lights shining in the darkness. Lord, in their own lives, in their homes, in, their, in, the, in this community and all over, wherever we go, out there with purpose, out there communicating the gospel, out there living it and releasing it. Lord, I thank you for that. And we do ask, Father, that you would just continue to grow us and guide us and direct us into the right place and the right time and the right truths to be able to bring and release your kingdom on this earth. And Father, where any of us have been confused become confused about why some things happen and why they don't and, and all of that. Help us, Father, personally, individually to sort through those issues so that we can always go on with hope. We can always go on trusting you because you are always faithful. And we declare that today in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. All right. Did you get anything out of that? I'm not even going to try this time. It takes me forever to get up. Let's just go ahead and stand. <laughs> let's, let's just say it on the count of three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin in the world. And you guys go out and have a great rest of your holiday weekend, okay? One, two, three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world. Amen. Go be the church. Thank you for listening to this message from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries in Gunnison, Colorado. We hope you will visit us at rmcmchurch.org, like our Facebook page, or subscribe to our messages on YouTube.